It's Monday, November 30th, 2020, and you're listening to episode 557 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 46 minutes. If you have a party of five players, this is not five endings. Right. No, it's not. Okay, I mean, yeah, maybe you can have five epilogues. The previous five games were maybe individual endings. Sure. Or this is the Or maybe in that final moment you can have five epilogues. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the game master has to bring this together into at least a relatively cogent story. Well, and with that in mind, I want to say if you have a party of five players, you have six players. The GM is a player. Mm-hmm. You as a GM, you have to be thinking about what do you want to get out of this ending? Yeah. Because it's not your ending. It's everyone's ending. Everyone includes you. I think back to the campaigns that I don't think I stuck the ending on. And every time it's because there's something I wanted out of the ending that I didn't get for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. In one case, it was we were all really hungry and we went out <laughs> to eat. So we just wrapped it up and i didn't get the epilogue i wanted to do in another one it was i basically botched the final fight and it got too easy what i wanted out of that was a big adventure fight for the players and it didn't happen it was too easy so that's something that i'm coming to realize too is i have to think about what do i want to get out of the Mm -hmm. end of it and give that opportunity to myself to have that happen too and that is a real danger for you dan You really need to listen to Wayne's advice on this because I nail you on this all the time. I know when we say, oh, well, we want a game, Dan, we want you to run a game. And you're like, well, what do you want to play? Well, this, this, well, Dan, what do you feel like running? And you say the biggest lie in RPGs. (laughs) I don't care. I can run anything. Bullshit. (laughs) You have things you want. And that is what is good. It is good to want things. And the same thing is true for an ending. Right. The players want things. You want things. You have to make that happen. Yes, what you are saying Mm -hmm. is 100% right, and that's something that I tried to Mm -hmm. do differently in this campaign. And as your friend, I will call you out every time you run a game. So there were two things I wanted out of this game. Mm -hmm. By the time it was over, now that this morphed all over the place during the unfolding of the campaign, but by the end of it, there were two things I really wanted. You wanted Guild dead. No, if I wanted that as a GM, that's pretty easy to accomplish. I don't know. It seemed like it took some shots. Oh, I took some shots. Nobody in that world doesn't get put under pressure. But if he wanted your character dead, he would have had me roll a medical roll against you. That's <laughs> yeah, true. I would have somebody give me a double high five or I would have had to read Wicked River again. But the two things that I really want us by the end of the game was one was I wanted to see something change in the world. What I mean by that. I didn't want you to be big damn heroes. Right. Skies of the Last isn't about that. Mm-mm. It's You don't kill the wizard and suddenly the sun rises for the first time in 30 years. That's not what Skies of the Last is about. It's about building things one brick at a time and sometimes the bricks don't make it. Yeah, it, it's about the difficult road of hope and rebuilding against terrible tragedy. And so it, it's not about that. But what I wanted to see was the basic backstory of Skies of Glass is there's been this nuclear war. Society collapses, and then society goes through a few false starts, after which it finally gets new societies that kind of work. And those societies hang on, they assert their power, they're very protective of their power, and the world's been depopulated enough, there's not a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. If you've got a whole bunch of people following you, you are probably going to be the biggest game in town for indefinitely. 
And the world had stagnated that way for probably by the time this game occurs, probably like 75 years. And I wanted to see the world to be forced to change. Now, I didn't know what that change was going to be. And this came down to where you guys could have sided with all kinds of different parties and brought about all kinds of different change. But I wanted to see the world have to wake up from its torpor and have to start thinking about things again. And so that was thing one I wanted. And uh, Lee, your character, Chad, Mm -hmm. in particular, did an enormous amount. No, no, you weren't the only one. Sure, sure. But there were the acts of the characters did a lot to bring that about. But the second thing I really wanted to see, and I had to be careful here because of the power level of the NPC, I wanted to fully explore the concept of an artificial intelligence. And I wanted to see, based on all of her experiences and the way that she, or it, if you prefer, processes things, what does Emma's ending look like? And I had to be real careful because Emma's ending could have become the stable that all of you have to park your horses in. Mm -hmm. And I did not want that to happen. But I wanted her to have a chance where I, as the person playing this NPC, could really feel out what has she learned from these journeys? What has she learned from talking to you guys? And, And throughout the game, I was mapping many times over what she was doing behind the scenes. And in many cases, you guys were well aware of it. The big reveal with Junior, Eric knew about it. And there were hints in the game pointing toward the fact that that was true. The other thing that comes to mind was her trying to understand what it means to be human. And is that something she could attain at all? And her conclusion was no, she couldn't. But that didn't mean she didn't want to live in some form or the idea of her. You know, she thought that her personhood was distinct from the individual and sense of her consciousness. And that led to what she did. The existence of the farm. Emma's sending everybody to the ranch. I mean, the, the Dr. <laughs> Phil. Jo- yeah. Well, I mean, there's a Dr. <laughs> Phil joke, yeah. but that came up multiple times in the campaign. You know, when you guys were at the East camp and you guys rescued a bunch of the people they captured, Emma was sending them to the ranch. I mean, now everybody knew yeah. it. I mean, she talked about how she had been building Back when she was still, this AI with this army of robots had been building this gigantic retreat or Mm -hmm. branch or farm or whatever it is, commune, out in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. I believed it, but the irony was at the time she was describing it was also a very short time in the campaign that she was exploring humor. Mm-hmm. Oh, (laughs) so she made a couple of jokes around that time, too, because because Marlene didn't believe that it was real. I mean, I remember very, very distinctly wanting it to be real and Emma making a joke about it, right? And so I didn't think it was real until the end of the campaign. Yeah, yeah. And I I could give you other side stories, but I don't want to tie this up because we're we're trying to give advice on how to do this in general. All right, so, you know, once again, ask your players what they want. Figure out what it is you want. Look for the commonality that exists between all these things and don't be afraid of trying to allow this to express itself in a couple of different ways. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. There's no way you can totally prepare for this. Some of this you have to think through on your feet. Some of this you have to work through on the fly. You can't write it all out. You can't script all out. It's bad game mastering. Don't do it. And yes, I realize that does leave the possibility that some of this may go wrong. You may not have a totally satisfying ending. Yeah, some of us don't get to be king of Europe. So, <laughs> But, cool. you know, this is about giving yourself the best odds that you have of having a good ending. 
this it's is about really, setting yourself up for success, not guaranteeing it. This is re- why I really, really like collaborative world building, collaborative story building. When you start a game, you know, that's sort of session zero. It's like, well, I don't want to see this, but I do want to see this. That's cool. I really like taking that beyond a session zero concept and saying, what do you want to see in the world? Well, I want to see this. Okay, explain that to me. Give me that concept. And how is your character related into that? How are they plugged into that? And then as a game master, I just like keep asking questions to get them thinking and get them thinking as they build this world. They build the world for me as they build the world (laughs) for me. And I try to interject in there, too, without directly saying it. All good stories have conflict. So if you say, well, we're in a city and my family runs a factory. And this is the factory, and this is all the people in the factory, and this is how, and it's like, man, I could really work with that. This is really cool, and we're going to kind of make this part of it. What is the problem with the factory? You know, it, it doesn't just have happy workers making profitable things and emitting no pollution, and then everybody loves them, and they give all their profits to charity. What's the problem here? Why is this interesting? <laughs> and so... I could tell there was... So back in the game that had gnarled Sarah and Sir William... I could tell the dice kind of twisted the knife on you at one point because you wanted me to roll for how Gnarl's new clan was doing. Mm-hmm. I knew you were looking for some kind of conflict and you had me roll three times and the rolls were 20, 19, 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, perfect. Isn't it? Yeah. There, there's no room to work here. His clan is right. doing great. It's, it's great. Well, and in that, <laughs> That made the conflict of they're doing better than everyone else. Yeah, which now makes them a point of envy or a point of fear. And I I don't know. It it took time to kind of come to that. I always kind of saw that probably the the arc of that story, as is a tangent, I'll keep Mm -hmm. it quick, was never going to be in Narl's lifetime. It was going to be what happens after he dies and nobody is the character and there, I don't mean in the literal, like, D, roll 3D6. Yeah. You know, nobody so. has the charisma to step into his role. Yeah, yeah and no. nobody has the charisma and the physique to back it up right. and the tactical right. mind. There's never going the to whole, be one The like whole point him. of the Knowles is that they rise up, cause chaos, and then eventually evaporate yeah. and fall apart. And he held them together. Even if only for a moment. Right. And, Which is a longer mo- Well, anyway, so like right, a right. collaborative world building, though, you have those tensions in there and you have those sort of things that they're plugged into. Well, now you have players who have characters who are very well-developed characters who are very integrated into the world because they're building the world. The world is not just facts and figures and pieces of trivia because you've asked them to put conflict in it. And you've asked them to integrate all these different concepts together. Well, now these layers are like a fabric of a story. And it's not about figuring out what they care about. You know what they care about. They care about what they just created. And so as a game master, you have threads. The threads are your stories, your characters, and what you want. Yeah. And without them understanding it, you start weaving those threads. Now, their cloth that they're making is way more than your couple of threads. But you weave those threads in there, and it makes this whole piece of textile, this whole piece of fabric that everyone cares about. So what you're doing is instead of Trying to, like you said, you know, figure out what does this character want? What does that character want? How does this thing? What you're doing is that you are creating opportunities 
to lead them down your threads. You're opening the doors, you're tempting them, you're manipulating them, and you're guiding them to follow this pattern on the fabric that they've made that are your threads. But really, to say it's your threads doesn't do justice. It's their cloth, their pattern, their fabric, and that they care about it, and then that you make the opportunities for them, and then you draw it to a close. So I want to give an example of that from the Masks game. What I, as a GM, wanted out of that game, I didn't want the big world-changing game, not for this campaign. Yeah. Sure. I, if I did, I would be using a different system. I wanted the interpersonal relationships. I wanted a very small world. So the big world, a lot of things, I just took existing things and filed off the names mm-hmm. because that wasn't Rex important. Rex Roofer? Yeah. Rex Corp. Rex Corp. It yeah. is Lex Luthor. Yeah. That is not the no important... way. Yeah. That is not the important <laughs> part of the game. <laughs> yeah. So there were there were some things like that where just for the amusement of it, I took things mm-hmm. that exist and I filed off the Yeah. But their families, mm-hmm. that we got deep down in. Yes. Where they work. That we got deep in. All of the other characters coming in. That was what was important to me in the campaign. So that's where I put my energy. Well, with masks, because of the characters they created, they had to create some NPCs. That's what I wanted out of the game. Mm -hmm. And by their creating the characters, they were actually doing that for me. You know, Chad had to create a mentor. He ends up having a family being created around this. And what I wanted was to explore this new generation of heroes that is frustrated with the old generation because they're not getting things done. Chad is now giving me a old generation that is not getting things done because of politics and a new generation in him that wants to become his own hero what i want out of the game he is now giving me the opportunity to give him the opportunity to bring his character up Mm -hmm. and confront his dad that's what i want out of the game too because we Mm -hmm. both want that we're building that together yeah and i can say the same for all the other characters at the table and it's exactly what chad says i know that they're interested in those characters because they made them Mm -hmm. they made those npcs i put those npcs in situations to give them the opportunity to deal with those situations. Yeah, if you look at the tapestry of your game, and this is expounding on what both you and Chad have said, the NPCs that the party cares about, and let me stress this, this mm-hmm. is not where you self-insert things they didn't latch onto, but the NPCs they have latched onto, it, they love them, hate them, whatever, they are the threads you can pull on in this tapestry mm-hmm. of the end of the game. Now, let me give an example, or a couple examples from the Skies of Glass game. Emma, the AI, did not force them to retire to the ranch or the and farm. And a couple of us didn't. Right, and a couple of you didn't. But she did make it there. So a an obvious place to go, because I realized that one of the things many of you lacked was you couldn't go back to the space station some of you were from. Some of you were now profoundly unwelcome in St. Louis. <laughs> Herman didn't exactly exist yep. at the moment, though there could have been a reconstruction. And so this was the place if you wanted the quiet, settle down life where this was going to occur. This is a thread I can pull on. When Emma gave you the coordinates to it, I noticed right there was a moment at the end of the game that was coming dangerously close to a lethal silence where everyone was kind of like not sure what to do. And I was afraid that somebody was going to fill that with vamping, which is cool normally, not at that moment, not when I'm trying to end the game in an emotional way. So I immediately grabbed Fat Tony and had Fat Tony say, hey, she sent us these coordinates. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see what's there. Now, you guys didn't have to do it, 
but he was that thread I was pulling on. When you guys got there... And that's something I want to give Chad credit for here, too. Chad, originally, Gil wasn't going. Right. He had no intention of going to the coordinates. He was done with all of it. Chad, as a player, realized mm-hmm. the party needs to be together for that the, the adventure was that way, <laughs> and, he's, and he f***ing buckled his seatbelt, <laughs> and he went that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. unlike Brodor, who, <laughs> hung up on, who hung up on the direction, yep. Chad realized yeah. this is mm-hmm. the best ending for the story, so even though I was going to have Gil do this, Gil is going with them to the farm. Yeah, I say, and once you got there, the NPCs created a multitude of different styles of ending. You had Wayne, your two-year-old daughter, yep. who represented the path of maturity and settling down. Emily, yep. who is 13, I don't know, maybe by the end of the game, 14, whatever, she was that call to the next crazy yep. adventure. Who knows what it's going to be, but she still wanted to get everyone back yep. together. And I don't know if everyone realized what I was doing with that. My character, when he interacts with Emily, Emily has always been the one we just let her play captain. Yeah. And we humor her. My character grew up. He was done playing. Well, and she knew I it. missed that. And what she, happened? He, he, he said to her, because she said, let's go back to the river, something like that. She said yeah. something to the yeah. effect. Let's get very piratical. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to the river and let's go back to. And I, she might have said playing. I don't remember yeah. what she yeah. said. Oh, no, that's what she said. Is she is um is as best I recall. And of course, the recording's right there. If anyone yeah. wants to go look it up. <laughs> Oh, it's only four hours. But Wayne said to her, Richard's got us. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, Wayne said to her, I'm done playing. At which point, yeah, and I he changed Emily's course. I pushed her to the side because mm-hmm. to walk past Emily her. then put down the whiskey bottle. She dropped the cutlass or scimitar, whatever the hell it was that you guys had. Cutlass. And mm-hmm. she, I mean, dropped all the costume and made that comment of well grandpa always told me someday would be the last time you'd play and you'd never realize it yeah and at that moment became an adult it was much more stark than i think most people's transitions into adulthood are but it was what you did that changed her path and nonetheless she was that if you guys wanted it if you guys wanted to go back to the river and go back to being merchants or whatever and try and recapture what you had at the start of the first game there it was that was his in mask terms he had his uh what do they call that moment? Oh, the moment he had of his truth. moment of truth. Yeah, that was with that interaction with her. Yeah, he was giving up his past Man, running and playing so good, and just let her know, okay, I'm done playing. Molly, who wasn't really discussed, but you guys knew that she'd made it through her work. You did know certainly, but it didn't come up in the last game. But prior to the last game, you knew that she had gotten you legal representation and. Mm-hmm. She had succeeded. She made it into Jacksonville. She was living it up out on the beach of some Caribbean island. Uh, she was working, actually, with an uh, oil rig or something mm-hmm. like that, or a food dredger. Stole my motorcycle. You destroyed her spaceship. I did not admit <laughs> to that. That's alleged. <laughs> Who, whose motorcycle? That would be Dunks? I think it was originally Dunks. Dunks motorcycle, yeah. Uh, that but, was the thing. Exactly. But the point is that Always dunks but Molly motorcycle. represented a different sort of ending, that if you wanted to go to Jacksonville mm-hmm. and be reunited with family or friends from the space station and basically say, look, I want to go back to a place where I have a shower and a toothbrush, she represented that kind of ending. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where I want to differentiate something very, very important. The epilogue and the ending are not the same. There is a habit and role-playing games. And I have been a both victim of this habit and also guilty of this habit. 
the end of your game does not have to be a boss fight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dan, hold on. There hold are on. Time, out, time out, time out. You need to say that again. Okay, the end of your game does not have to be a boss fight. Thank now, you. Now, there may be games where that's appropriate. Sure. But let's take The Lord of the Rings as an example. Let's even drop off the 500-page epilogue. <laughs> the ending, the Academy Award-winning moments of crying. Yeah, the ending of the story of The Lord of the Rings is not Sauron re-arising and them having an epic duel with him. They toss a ring into a volcano. Go down to Hawaii. Do mm-hmm. it yourself. This is not a difficult moment it, to recreate. Well, I mean, think of it in role-playing terms. It isn't, well, I guess you could say, oh, well, he got into a fight with Smeagol. That was metaphoric. I mean, it happened, but it was metaphoric. Sure. A good story has conflict. A good ending is a good story, Good, and that has conflict as well. It wasn't a big boss fight, dragon, fire-breathing, all this sort of crazy stuff. It was Frodo versus himself. Can he overcome the temptation and the darkness that is having a hold over him? And he failed. And he failed. He failed. He and, didn't. <laughs> and then the team rose up and helped him and Sam and came in. and By which you mean Golem bit his finger off. Go, yeah. Basically, one evil just kind of outshone the other. Yeah. He had more practice the other. being greedy. And so, yeah, he, was, he yeah. was set free of it. But yeah, he couldn't yeah. bring himself to do it. From a role-playing game standpoint... That is a role-playing moment. No dice have to be rolled for that. Right. And it is RP, and it is understanding your character, and if we say Gollum, Smeagol is another player, then it is really good RP, and it's very a lot of understanding of the players, and then bringing the whole sort of cycle to a close, and not... Two knights standing there kicking each other into the sh- in the shins until one of them right. hits zero hit points. And I want to be careful. Big snore. And I, I do want to be careful though to say I recognize there are some stories where that is no, important. they're wrong. <laughs> well, you know, combat uh, is not content. No, no. Okay, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Well, mostly. Not I fully am behind it. But but the, the, so John Wick is not a movie. I mean. The third one really sucked. The third one wasn't nearly okay. as good as the first you know two, what, for sure. You know what John but Wick was? There's a and, lot of fighting in John Wick, and it's delightful and, and, and fun. And actually, I can bring this time. back to role-playing, right? John Wick is not a movie. John Wick, I don't know how long it is. I'm going to say two hours. John Wick is two hours of world-building. There is gunfights in it, but that's part of the world-building. John Wick is the greatest Vampire the Masquerade movie ever made. Because that's what the setting is. It's absolutely Vampire the Masquerade, the setting in the field. Yeah, with the yeah. secret society. Uh, yeah, it's oh, just nobody oh. bared their fangs and had magic power and drank blood. But it is... No, it was it was fun and delightful. Sure. And had lots of daylight and was not pretentious. Right, right exactly. Yeah. But it, Using a movie as an example, yeah. though, you don't always have to have the big boss fight. Let's say Rocky was a role-playing game. If you got to the end and there wasn't a boxing fight, then that... Probably well, is going to be a failed story you, you because get, you're building up to that. I say you get to the end of Star Wars Episode Six, something has to be done about the Emperor. You get to the end of Final Fantasy Six, something has to be done about Kefka. But here, here's the what point. What about the ending of Rambo, the first one? Yeah, where he just he surrenders, he just gives yeah. up, he, the, he quits. I mean, it is combat, 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 combat. I I will say the, the Rambo, com- the first Rambo movie, yeah. is actually really good. It's almost an art house movie because it's about PTSD and it's about how we treat veterans and. It is not a... That's why they finally defuse the situation by bringing a military guy, because right. the rest of society didn't understand him. It's not a violent gore fest like the sequels were, this this clownish parade thing. But the first movie 
that was it. You know, it's like, yeah, you had a lot of fights and fights are fun and combat's yeah. fun and, and being clever and all that's fun. But at the end of it, it was about role playing. It was about the story. Right. It was about the character. It was about drawing. But it to even conclusion. even if okay, right? Even if we say the climax of your story is they defeat Kefka, okay, mm. whatever. <laughs> yeah, you still have room to go because that is not an ending to the story. That is not necessarily, mm-hmm. unless they died in the fight, an ending to the characters because you are still left with the question of look, you've spent years building world establishing NPCs, building all of these politics and side plots and whatever that's going on. And the fact that you killed the big evil wizard, cool, important stuff. Sure. Doesn't end the story. Well, And, and you I mean, still th- have to resolve, why, where do the characters go now? Way. You've done just that. You have developed all these characters, met all these NPCs. You've lost people. You've had failures. You've had successes. You've moved mountains. You've had all these fights and you've had all these victories and losses and you've had all this stuff. And it is finally the culmination of all this character and this development and this years of playing this game and everybody's happy and you're rolling these dice and the big bad has three hit points. And then he has two hit points. And then he has one hit point. And then he has zero hit points. And yeah, everybody's high-fiving. It's like, okay, thanks for gaming, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, f*** that. Yeah. it's I mean, an come imp- on. It's an impotent ending. Yeah. Uh, Let's go get some burgers now. No. How about we actually finish the damn game? I say, I mean, goodness gracious, even playing an MMO. Yeah. When I beat a big boss, there is still oftentimes a cutscene that comes after that. Mm-hmm. You sit around and BS with the people you beat the boss with. I remember video Even games. bad dudes. That yep. 80s game, are you a bad enough dude to save the president? Yeah. The president takes you yeah. out for cheese. Yeah, you know where the story ends is the bad dudes get to meet with swole Ronald Reagan <laughs> mm-hmm. on the White House lawn, who's holding a hamburger. I don't know where he got it, but is now <laughs> going to take you out for additional right. hamburger eye that were not present mm-hmm. at the creation of that hamburger. And that game has three sentences of dialogue, right. and you have to play for an hour to get the last two. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that isn't an example of it, but I can think of a ton of examples of regular mm-hmm. Nintendo games where you play all the way to the end and just get a the end screen. Yeah. And that always pissed me off because it felt like I have played and played and built up and no epilogue. Mm-hmm. Right. I want that epilogue. It's after you have the big boss fight, the big talk someone down from a ledge, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you've reached that high point and you need to taper down before it Let, ends. Let's talk about, Otherwise, it feels like you hit a brick wall. So let's talk about, though, a way to fail in a different way. Let's talk about the original ending of Mass Effect 3 and to some extent the revised ending, which I still think had a lot of this issue, which is Mass Effect 3 had, I mean, it was a 10, 15, 20-minute epilogue that dealt with a lot of the characters dealt with what happens to the world after your decision, what happens to the galaxy, what happens to the Reapers, on and on and on. It tells a lot of great stuff. So why is it generally considered one of the worst endings in video game history? It was because it was irrelevant to what the players cared about. It was irrelevant Mm -hmm. to the story you had been telling as Commander Shepard, the choices you had made, And all the things you had done and become invested in 
all the stuff you had shaped and worked hard to get and whatever you because that was a game where choices matter yes you know? and, and all yeah. of your choices branching dialogue trees and, all and that. your choices and your character development and who you are and what you did with the npcs and blah 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 got narrowed down to originally one of three and then one of four cookie cutter endings none of which really dealt with any of that and so that's why it's remembered such a terrible ending yes they had an epilogue but the epilogue was irrelevant to the investment people have built. If people got invested in Bobble and the Goblin, <laughs> then damn it, this game is not over until we know what happened to Bobble and the Goblin. Well, and another way to fail that's similar. Oh, Bobble. I look at <laughs> such a card. The last of the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies where there are like 15 different epilogues. Oh, my God. Those are all long. Exactly. Those are all about characters you've grown to care about. It is all character related. And- but that's the thing. It is. They're all crying. There's too many of them. You just be like, okay, that was a good ending back there 15 minutes ago. But Did that happen at in the books? Ta- at a, at oh, the a, books are worse. But at a, at a table, if the group of us are sitting down, right, and we're playing a fantasy epic and I'm game master. Which I hope, because if you're standing, you're LARPing. Uh, <laughs> and I'm running that particular game. I want to make sure that everybody at the table even though in a novel or a film that is not interesting in a role-playing game, I think that is necessary to look at Chad and Chad's character and say, here is your ending and here's a proper epilogue. If you give Chad a 10 minute epilogue, you give Dan a 10 minute epilogue, you give Eric a 10 minute epilogue. By the time you get to me, I just want to be done. I don't care about my epilogue anymore. Yeah. It's three o'clock in the morning. I've got work tomorrow. And and something that I found helps with that is is one, keep the, keep the epilogues poignant. Right. I mean, don't do 10 minutes, but give, give everybody two or three solid minutes. I I can sit and listen to you role play with Dan for 20 minutes, man. Sure. I can do Sure. Okay. Two to three minutes. Yes. And the one thing I've also found that helps is once you get the characters together, now, in some cases, the epilogue is given. Like with Lee, I narrated his, yeah. his ending. I gave you the character. You just kept giving him back. <laughs> but with all the other characters, I set the scene. Mm-hmm. I had different NPCs that each kind of represented different paths. Maturity, going back to adventure, settling down, seeking out family, trying to go back to where you were before. They all represented these different archetypes or different Mm. templates of endings and you could have chosen any of them or written your own in the case of you and brodor you wrote your own right you took the lav and you drove it off into the sunset thelma and louise yeah which i hope you didn't drive off cliff but yeah i mean that wasn't one of my written endings but you guys well here's the point couple Mm. here's the point in in that a lot of the epilogue was shared role-playing insofar as you were at least all together. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there was a point where Amelie was mm-hmm. talking to Philip and just Philip, which was Wayne's character, but you were all present at the scene. You could have interjected, and I was able to move pretty easily between you. And when you guys got to the really, really final closing sentence, end of the epilogue, you guys, in many cases, chose to overlap them. There were multiple people that stayed at the ranch. There were multiple people that got in the lab and went on to adventure. While I believe it was multiple heroes now in the sense of PC and NPCs, because I believe Brandon went back to Jacksonville to try and work things out with his family, didn't he? Well, it it was yes and no. I mean, ultimately, he worked it out with the family, but he ran into the same thing that I ran into with Gil of uh, not wanting to take major spotlight in that moment where Gil's whole thing is that he's a very toxic person. He realizes that and that 
this ranch thing was good and that if he stayed at the ranch, he will make it bad just by his mere presence. So he left in the life of adventure and that he's going to do that. And Songbird came with him. And Brandon, and, and this was in the post game, I believe, too. Brandon was like, you know, on one hand, yeah, I want to go back to my family. But on the other hand, I'm not a good person and I've done bad things and I don't necessarily want to see them or I don't want. No, I don't want them to see me. So if Gil had said, yeah, I'm starting this thing, this security business and we're going on the road, he would come with them. So, yeah, yeah I thought or something like that. I'm not sure I have that. I remember his Apple log. Yeah, he was going to go. But then you two had the conversation mm-hmm. as well of Gil would have asked him to yes. come with him. And so he's mm-hmm. not really. I don't think we got a final answer about well, what we, he did. we did yeah. insofar as I know at least there was a descriptive scene, mm-hmm. you know, more of a narrated scene that he was in at least getting in and out of Jacksonville enough to attend yeah. counseling with his wife to see if he mm-hmm. could be reconciled to his wife. And was it one kid or two kids? I, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But to see if he could reconcile back to his family. And so, you know, but the point is that not universally, but well, I'd say once again, if we throw in the major NPCs, all those endings were shared. And in some cases they were shared across PCs. You know, and it could have been group wide. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you're campaign ends in a star wars a new hope way where it's you guys all getting your medals and cut yeah. credit. and if and that's, that's cool if that's what especially if you're playing like D, the king goes tells you to go you know save his dragon from a, a princess then yeah that that's pretty cool ending there yeah. yeah an ending different for me if i expect to come back to the characters yeah if i'm going to do another story arc or another campaign down the line with those characters I don't want as final of an ending. I don't want their entire rest of their life yeah. mapped out. But if this is the end and we're never coming back to the characters, I want the rest of their lives mapped well, out. And I, I and th- one of the things I like doing that I think really steps on what I was saying is dangerous of too long with each individual person. I like going around the table and letting everyone mm-hmm. narrate their own epilogue. The problem is you may have somebody that just goes on and on right. and on versus someone that says, I buy a barn. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. I mean, so you have those two extremes. And you know, can't the, the game you... master step in there a little and be like, I buy a bar. It's like, okay. So, you know, as in hell. So yeah. as the scene sets on your character, you buy a barn and we see that, you know, you have to go through the long process of you know, your character has no background in raising cattle but bob, or moisture farming but boblin the goblin does and so <laughs> there you are with boblin trying to as you're actually saddling the horse and he's jumping up and down <laughs> trying to reach the straps and <laughs> oh he's such a because he wants to talk you through how to saddle the horse but he's he, never actually seen a horse before and he's not tall enough to reach any of the things he knows how to operate and so well, it, you know you but one thing i, I do want to uh, add in here is I say one thing as if I've not added a ton of things <laughs> and we'll keep adding a ton of things. But one of the other things I want to add in here is understanding an ending. And what I mean specifically is where do you let go? Because right. if you have a good story and everyone's not dead, there is always more turf to cover. I just rewatched the movie us. It is a fantastic horror movie. It is one of the most intelligent horror movies I have ever seen. 
And if you don't think it was, I, I would challenge you to, I don't think you understood it fully. I absolutely did not understand it. And and I don't mean this, I because I hate it when people do this, when they it was say- It was made for you. Yeah, if, if you, yeah, The Matrix 2, if you didn't like it, it's because you don't know philosophy. It's like, no, I do know philosophy, and that's why I didn't like it. It was banal. But And so I don't mean to say it that way, and I probably shouldn't have phrased it that way. But what I would say, all right, let me put this to, the movie Us was a very deep and intellectually stimulating movie. And I think you can walk away from it and say you didn't like it or you found it banal or something like I that. Was, it was interesting, but I just don't know what happened. But I, after seeing the movie with my girlfriend, I sat down with her and talked her through the movie. Like, Did you her, mansplain the movie uh, to her? <laughs> I guess. Well, I didn't mansplain it so much as I, I've seen this several times before explained it to her. Right. And Is so it I, mansplaining if you do it to another guy? Oh, yeah. Because our buddy Sorry... After the first time he watched Primer, I took him to a whiteboard and I drew out the timeline. Yeah. We oh, whiteboarded totally the movie. Is that the time travel movie? Yes. Yeah. I also did not. That I mean, is the stroke inducing time travel. I did not movie. understand. People it, have done whole websites with diagrams and everything yeah. explaining what happened. I love that movie. But the, anyway, so the point being, though, that I was able to walk her back through the movie. I'm like, okay, so do you understand or did you notice? That this happened here, and then this happened here, and this happened here, which, if you add those together, means that the ending was actually this. And did you notice what shirt she was wearing here? And did you notice what toys she was playing with? And, and you know, all these crazy things and drew them together. And as she's sitting there, she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, this, it, was, it was kind of hitting her. Mm-hmm. And because I got this because I'd seen the movie several times. And she was suddenly, like, piecing together just how complicated that movie really was. Now, my point here is not to carry on about us. And how you totally understand it and nobody else does. Right, right. No, nobody gets it. And if you don't yeah. if you don't get it or you don't like it, it's because you're stupid and you didn't mm-hmm. understand it. I really hate that crap. But anyways. Now I kind of want to watch the movie. I've never seen it. You should. I'll loan it to you tonight. It's fantastic. But the point being, at the end of that movie, I am profoundly curious about what will happen thereafter between the mother and son. Now, I won't explain why, because for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, I'll, I'll try you, not to. You just don't have the intelligence to yeah. handle it, so. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's in a different league. It's mm-hmm. you're Yeah, you just didn't deserve this movie. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, the, at the end of the movie, I really am profoundly curious what happened mm-hmm. between the mother and the son. There are some things they use, some tricks of, of storytelling in a movie to demonstrate in pretty clear form, though through imagery, mm-hmm that there is conflict coming between them. Yeah. That the the kid understands the fight is not over. And I was profoundly curious what else could happen. Because there is more story to tell because it's not over. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the story between them. There's something going on in the U.S. as a whole that you're like, wow, how is this going to get worked out? Be very interesting. But you understand that the purposes that I believe was Jordan Peele, I think, was one mm-hmm. of the... If you understand the purposes that he set out to accomplish were accomplished. He has not reached the end of every possible drop that can be wrung from this rag. But what he has done is he has reached the end of the story and the themes and the major conflicts and the social points he set out to and, deal with. And if you wrap every little thread up, there's nothing more to think about. Other yeah. than, wow, that was cool. Now, you might have like really deep conversations about how cool it was, but part of the fun is thinking about, man, well, what about this situation? I wonder right. where this is it's going. Like, I'm going to give a lot simpler example that I think more people have seen, 
and Spaceballs. <laughs> no, it's the original Star Wars trilogy. Can we do Spaceballs instead? No. Okay. So you've got the Emperor. Dark Helmet, yeah. The Emperor being killed, the Death Star being blown up again, and all of these parties happening everywhere. They shot her hair. There's a real story that comes after that. The fall of this giant empire. What happens to the universe? That isn't the story they're telling in those movies. Or does it fall? Because the primary full force of the Imperial fleet isn't present. 90-some-odd percent of the Empire is not present at that battle. Exactly. There is a whole other story there. Yeah. And Mandalorian is actually getting into that a little bit. That's really good. But that's not the point of those movies. Those movies were the hero's journey of Luke. And once Luke and His the Emperor drama. face yeah. face each yeah. other and Vader turn all of that, that is that story's Luke ending. Luke freed himself of Vader yeah. and Vader freed both himself and Luke from the Emperor. The family story had been resolved. The Everybody's st- cutting off hands. Right. Yeah. It's a little weird. It's, it, yeah. Yeah, he, There's yeah. so much more story left there, but that is not the God, purpose of those movies. Freudian it, masturbation thing with the hands. Uh, those guys, I've actually seen a couple. Spielberg and Lucas and all that, yeah. they're really into the Freudian thing. I have seen a couple... Oh. Like armchair psych yeah, studies. Yeah, see, Broder's got the face. I agree. Yeah. I've seen a few armchair psych studies on why there's so much you dismemberment. Don't think Spielberg Star Wars. is into Freudian stuff. Go watch uh, the oh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Brian. I yeah. already knew what yeah. you're talking about. Yep. They had nobody can die without making these mother. inane yeah. and irrelevant comments about either their mother or boobs. In a, as you put it, you put it very well yeah. when we saw the movie. You said they were describing boobs in a way that wasn't quite sexual enough. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It was like yeah. so clinical. It's like no human being talks this way. Spielberg is in his all of his movies, but it is very apparent in Saving Private Ryan. He is huge into the Freudian thing. And like the F- Freudian theory and stuff. Not just like, oh, penises and mom, but like Freudian theory. And go read the Wikipedia page on Freudianism and then watch Saving Private Ryan. And you'll never see it in yeah. the same way because I, it's I'm not about World War II. I'm, I'm not going to do that to myself. Yeah, it's not because about World I enjoy War II. that movie quite a bit. Yeah, so it I'm is about not going. To I, I saw the same thing when yeah. when Chad and I compared notes. He pointed out some yeah. things I had missed, but yeah, I, I had gotten that just. Yeah. But the point being, I you know maybe I'll give you a different metaphor here. It's not even a movie, not even a story. It's a buffet. It's all <laughs> you can eat buffet. I'm in. You don't walk in with the goal of consuming everything possible. Uh, you, you and I know different people. <laughs> you you set out with a goal of consuming what you're interested in, what you want to taste, what it takes to sate your hunger. You, or getting your 12 bucks worth. Yeah, whatever the case you're, is. You're eating more than $12 worth of food. There is. You do have to understand that the point of the ending of your game, and I realize we've tortured this to death with these metaphors, but the purpose of the ending of your game is to conclude the primary story and character arcs you were dealing with Throughout the bulk of the campaign, what was the bell curve of the game about in terms of characters and Mm -hmm. plot? That's what you need to resolve. You do not need to resolve every character, every plot point, every little dangling comma that's there does not need the end of its sentence. Don't try to do it. It will be tedious and boring. There's one important piece of advice that I think that we've still left on the table. And that is the impact of the word gamer uh, as a title. So I'm going to unplug his. Hold on. I'm I'm just saying hashtag save gamer. That's all I'm saying is that it's a it's a good word. It's a strong word. It's been an important part of my life since I was a child. I'm a gamer and I'm proud to be a gamer. 
phenomenal. <laughs> so, and I, that takes us to the end of a show, right? <laughs> I didn't say anything bad or controversial. No, you did. But well, how was that bad? No, 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 hold on. We'll have to go on your there, show there, to talk uh, about why that's bad. There, we can't talk about it on well, this show. Well, okay, I can weirdly draw something out of that related to the end of games, which is one of the ways you can tell you've overstayed the welcome of your game is when Brodor's talking? No, no, not that at all. <laughs> is when the players are starting to get into minutia and tedium that right. doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, they've gone from here's a funny scene of your character and Bobble and the Goblin <laughs> trying to run a ranch to now you're trying to get into the detailed economics of how you're trading with which town and where you're getting your... Oh, which town? Man, they have the best brooms. They do. Yep. So just like this episode... The hottest chicks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just or like folks. this episode where we didn't think about how we were going to end it until Broder went on and tirade mm-hmm. about the word game. Yeah. No, it's yeah. great. This has become a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So... I even have more advice, but no, we need to draw, draw to a close. Like Gil, I'm, I'm like, I didn't, I'm not I didn't get to say a whole lot. I had a whole ending of a game that I did, but it's this is way too long already. So no advice you know, we from could do. You also have a whole negative episode that you did today. I, no, that was not a whole negative episode. That was a, a primer, if you, know, you will. We could, we could stop this and then record a real short extra credit tangent episode. Where you talk about your ending and then I give my advice. No, because when you cool. were busting my balls earlier about f***ing up the episode, mm-hmm. you said Which it you was, were doing. You said, fair. You said it was ten. <laughs> you said it was ten o'clock. Yes. Minutes after we had started actually recording, I checked my phone and at the time it was nine thirty-four. Mm-hmm. So we're it just, well. It just well seemed. Till, yeah, I, I it get it. Like it's, ten o'clock. It's perfectly fell. In just twenty forty. Kind okay. of hyperbole. This is fantastic. Good. I'm glad. I hope it hurt a lot. I, actually. I'm sure our listeners are on I might hooks. sleep not yeah. well tonight. Dan, you might have ended you your game, but you did not stick the landing to the no, end of this episode. No, I did not. So thank you guys for tuning in. Please do check the show notes of the prior episode, because by now you're in part two, which probably won't have any show notes. And then Brodor and I are going to start slapping each other. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be so, a big slap. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.